wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Happy month of March, folks. Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for March 1st, 2018. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And I feel like there's a lot to look forward to this month. And I'm not talking about Fastlane either, because as of right now, I could not give two shits about that pay-per-view coming up next Sunday. What I am talking about, though, is Northeast Wrestling. So as you guys may know, I've been attending this awesome independent wrestling promotion for the last nine years at this point. And in my opinion, they are the premier independent organization in the Northeast. Uh, They always bring in the top guns, always bring in the big stars for their shows. And this Friday, I'm not doing the promotional plug for them, this is just purely coincidental because I am going, Uh, March 2nd, 2018 in Waterbury, Connecticut, they are having their biggest show of the year. For the nine years I've been attending their shows, I have never been to their WrestleMania, which is called WrestleFest. Tomorrow, because usually I've been at school, usually I've been at college, um, but I am home this year, obviously, since I graduated last May. Um, I am able to attend this year in Waterbury, Connecticut, and they are not disappointing with the lineup they are bringing to this show. From Marty Skrull, who I was dying to meet at Ring of Honor's Final Battle pay-per-view last December, um, only two or three months ago, didn't get the chance to meet him that night, he had to go during the meet and greet, so I couldn't meet Marty Skrull, I was so disappointed. The Young Bucks will be there doing a meet and greet appearance, uh, you got Rey Mysterio there, Tennille Dashwood, aka formerly known as Emma from WWE, and many, many more. Mark Henry's going to be there, Matt Riddle, um, and a number of other stars. So I'm looking forward to the show. I'm bringing a pretty pretty heavy wallet uh, to pay for all the autographs and the pictures I'll be getting on that show. But should be fun. Should be a great time. I will talk all about it next week on the random video blog on my YouTube channel, The Experience Beating All These Illustrious Names. Well, speaking of the YouTube channel, you guys can subscribe to the channel at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. You can find me on the Twitter machine as well, at WrestleRant. And on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And, of course, guys, every single Thursday, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio right here, not only on NextAirWrestling.net, but also on iTunes. Go to the Apple Podcast app, simply search up WrestleRant Radio. Subscribe to the show, rate and review as well. All that stuff is amazingly appreciated. You not only get every archived episode, dating back to October of 2013, but also every new episode on Thursdays. So be sure to do that. It is the most convenient and the easiest way to listen to Wrestle Rant Radio. So I, I feel like it was a pretty newsworthy week, only up until the last day or two. Uh, we had the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view on Sunday, as well as Raw and SmackDown, all of which I will be getting into momentarily. Though I do want to start off with this. A small news item that I'm sure I've brought up before. I know I talked about it um, about a month or so ago here on the show. But it kind of uh, flew under the radar this week. Because I think the news item dropped 
maybe right before the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view or right afterward. I did not watch the show live, so I stayed away from social media largely on Sunday and Monday until I watched it on Monday on uh, the Monday afternoon. But it was reported by Bodyslam.net this past week that Bobby Lashley is reportedly set for a WWE return. Now, there's been talks about this for a while. Um, he left Impact, TNA, GFW, whatever you want to call him, uh, last month. And it was reported that his Impact deal would expire on February 1st, and he was eligible to go wherever he wished from that point forward, which is why we did not see him in the Rumble. If you know his Impact deal was up as soon as EC3's was, maybe we could have seen him in the Rumble or in, in, in NXT. I think he's a better fit at this point for the main roster. EC3 screams NXT. He has history with that show. He's better off in NXT at this point, who we have not yet seen, by the way. EC3 has been left off the recent... Uh, episodes of NXT, so hopefully soon. With Bobby Lashley, though, I feel like he'd be a perfect fit on either SmackDown or especially Raw, and he's got some unfinished business there. He left under not-so-great terms um, after some bad blood with Michael P.S. Hayes back in 2008, so almost exactly one year removed from his WWE release. He is reportedly set for a WWE return. Now, uh, take it for what it's worth. That was the only source that really reported it, Bodyslam.net. But they also broke the story on the XFL coming back months before it happened. So they are somewhat of a reliable source that has broken big news stories in the past. This could be one of them, and it seems likely. Um, I was thinking maybe we might see him show up at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I mean, this is merely me fantasy booking here prior to the pay-per-view. I was thinking, okay, maybe Lashley takes out Finn Balor in the Elimination Chamber or Elias. And then he comes out, wins the Chamber and goes on to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Silly me for thinking that Vince would even consider changing his WrestleMania match that's been, you know, locked, set in stone for over a year now. Obviously, that won't be the case. Um, but he could be back as soon as, at this point, after WrestleMania. Actually, I expect it. The night after WrestleMania, I expect him to return. Um, it's really all a matter of whether Brock Lesnar resigns. I mean, I think Bobby's coming in no matter what. But I think a part of the reason why he wants to come to WWE is to work a feud with Brock Lesnar. He has talked about this ad nauseum during his time with Impact that he wanted to have a match with Brock Lesnar. Whether it was in the Octagon, in the UFC, or Bellator, I think Bobby was uh, competing for a few years ago. I think he might still be, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, or whether it was in Impact, pff, yeah, okay, good one. Or in WWE, that was obviously the most likely scenario. And now we might be seeing it. Not at WrestleMania, obviously. Brock and Roman's already set in stone. But we could be seeing it come SummerSlam. Um, and that's been discussed before, or really speculated, not really reported. But maybe if Brock extends his contract out to maybe not another year, or just another six months, we could see him in a big marquee match at SummerSlam with Bobby Lashley. Brock's been an integral part of that pay-per-view since he came back to the company back in 2012. At SummerSlam, he has faced Triple H. CM Punk, John Cena, uh, The Undertaker, Randy Orton, as well as most recently Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, and Roman Reigns in 2017. So I think a 2018 SummerSlam pay-per-view headlined by Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Hey, give me a ticket. Give me 10 tickets. I would love to see that in person. And I was not at SummerSlam last year, which was probably a good year to miss because it wasn't a great show. Dodge the bullet there. Um, though I am looking to maybe attend this year's installment, and that would be a great match to see live um, if it does indeed happen. But yeah, looking forward to that. I think Bobby coming back to WWE is really only inevitable at this point, 
And like I said, kind of flew under the radar this past week with all the commotion going on coming out of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, which overall I thought was very enjoyable. By no means a great show. Um, I don't want to, you know, uh, hit a kick a dead horse here while it's down or whatever the expression is. I don't want to uh, over-discuss the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view because I feel like by this point... I've said pretty much everything that's needed to be said about the show between hashtag AskGSM and all the other shows that I do throughout the week. Um, though I did enjoy it on the whole. Like I said, I did not watch it live. I watched it on Monday afternoon. Um, successfully avoided all spoilers, which was great. But yeah, I think overall it was a good show. Probably better than Fastlane will be. And it was uh, headlined by two great, very good to two great Elimination Chamber matches. Uh, with the women and the men in the main event. I thought the women really shined on the show and stole the show between this match, the opener, and um, Asuka and Nia Jax, which was a lot better than I thought had any right to be. And they had a good match on Raw about, you know, a month or so ago. But I didn't really care too much for their, I think, NXT TakeOver VN match, I think it was, back in 2016. I mean, they've worked well together in the past, but I just never really saw that as a money feud on the main roster at all. Um, but they worked very well together, put together a great match. Not only Asuka, but Nia Jax as well. And I've never really been too, you know, too high on Nia Jax in the past. But I thought she had a really good performance here and looked good in defeat. She was protected in defeat via the loss after attacking Asuka afterward, um, setting forth or setting the stage for a rematch next week on Raw. So I obviously Asuka will win that too. So maybe Nia Jax, uh, maybe it's a, you know, a, a no contest. And that's what sets up Nia Jax as the new number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship, which has been rumored for a while now. But nonetheless, it was a good match at Elimination Chamber. Uh, speaking of the Raw Women's title, the opening match, like I said, was very, very good, if not a great match. Um, a great first ever Elimination Chamber match for the women, where I don't know if it was necessary for them to hit it out of the park to prove to officials that they can do this again in the future, that it needs to be a success in order for, you know, for the match to be brought back for the women next year. But really, every opportunity they've been given to shine or to showcase themselves in these big-time matches, whether it's Hell in a Cell, Money in the Bank, the Royal Rumble, they've hit it out of the park every single time, and this pay-per-view is no exception. Um, I really like the layout of this match, with Absolution being knocked out early, then Mickey James having a good little showing before she was eliminated by, I think, Sasha Banks. Then it came down to Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, and Bayley, all of whom worked well together, and there was some suspense regarding the finish. I mean, it was pretty obvious that Alexa Bliss was retaining her title, but when it came down to Alexa and Sasha, there were a number of moments there at the end where it looked like Sasha very well might win. In my opinion, that would have been the right way to go. Alexa Bliss is a great performer. On paper, Alexa versus Nia one-on-one does nothing for me, but I would much rather see that than Alexa versus Sasha versus Bailey versus Nia in a fucking four-way which we literally just saw a year ago at WrestleMania 33. Just replace Charlotte with Alexa Bliss. Pretty much Charlotte, but much much smaller, not as good in the ring. And you have the same exact match. So I don't really want to see that. Though, this was very, very good with Alexa Bliss retaining her title, um, forcing Sasha Banks to tap out. They had one great spot in there that I don't think got enough attention. I didn't watch it live, but I didn't see enough people talking about it uh, in the fallout from the pay-per-view on Monday which was, I think, the Twisted Bliss. It might have been, for, I don't know if it was from the top rope. I'm pretty sure it's from the top of the chamber. And then, like, she hit Sasha, but Sasha, like, reversed it into the bank statement. That was really, really cool. They deserve a lot of credit for that spot. And the entire match. So, 
I thought that was a great way to kick off the show. Other matches included Sheamus and Cesaro beating Titus Worldwide to retain their Raw Tag Team titles, which we saw a rematch of. For what reason? I have no idea, other than just to maybe kill TV time. On the next night's Raw, and it was a two out of three falls match, excuse me, with uh, Sheamus and Cesaro once again emerging victorious. And then that was it. Why Titus Worldwide is still in the Raw Tag Team title picture at this point, I have no clue. Other than just, like I said, to kill time. Um, Titus Worldwide, I like Apollo, but they are a joke of a faction that nobody takes seriously. So why even bother positioning them as threats, quote-unquote, to the Raw Tag Team titles? That'd be a much better spot for either the Balor Clubs, Luke Allows and Carl Anderson, or the Revival at this point. So why even bother with Titus Worldwide? The match wasn't bad. I thought it was okay. Actually, a little better than I thought it would be. But the outcome was never in doubt. This entire pay-per-view was predictable. I'm sure I'm not the only one that was right in every single match prediction there was. Um, That being said, though, I thought everything kind of happened the way that it needed to, for the most part. Anyway, I thought this match was fine. Uh, What happens now with Sheamus and Cesaro? They cut a promo after their successful title defense on Raw the next night, saying there's no competition left. We've beat every tag team on Raw. The Hardys, Titus Worldwide, we beat The New Day, blah, 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 all these other tag teams between Raw and SmackDown. Um, leaving out the Revival. So, I think it was Dash Wilder on Twitter the other day had pointed out, we beat Slater and Rhino multiple times. We beat the Hardys. We beat the New Day multiple times. We beat the Club multiple times. Where's our tag team title shot? And I agree, another two heel tag teams, maybe that would trigger a face turn for either tandem. But either way, I would like, I would love the idea of a match between those two tag teams at WrestleMania. Now, knowing WWE, they'll probably shoehorn Titus Worldwide back in there, and the fucking Balor Club, who I love, but it's like, the multi-man tag team title matches that we get on these shows is just ridiculous, and nobody gets over in the process, and they're usually really not all that good for the most part, so I don't know what they're doing with the Raw Tag Team titles, or insert either the Authors of Pain or Sanity, two tag teams that have been ready for a main roster call-up for a while now. Now, with Sanity, it might be a little less likely than Authors of Pain. Now, the Authors of Pain have been main roster ready for at least six months. Like, that's no joke. They've been main roster ready since they dropped the NXT tag team titles back at TakeOver, I think, Brooklyn 2, 3, um, a couple months back in late August. So, they, they've they been ready to go up to the main roster since the summer of 2016, or 17, excuse me. And we could see that as soon as after WrestleMania, but if I'm WWE and I'm looking at the Raw tag team division right now, We need more tag teams at this very moment. Why not call them up next week or the week after that? I know they're involved in a Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic first-round match on on next week's episode of NXT, so they might wait until after that airs. Beyond that, though, what's holding them back? I think Arthur Sapin versus Sheamus and Cesaro for a Raw Tag Team title match at WrestleMania would be really cool to see. So, uh, yeah, definitely take my money, and I'm, I'm sold on that idea of uh, Sheamus and Cesaro versus Authors of Pain match for the tag team titles of WrestleMania, or the Revival, they'd be good too. Um, but either way, I think the Authors of Pain are main roster bound at some point in the not-so-distant future. As for Sanity, they too could be called up tomorrow, and I think that you know they would fit right in, either on Raw or SmackDown. The thing with Sanity, I mean, I guess you could call up Nikki Cross with them. I don't know why you wouldn't. It's, I mean, I guess she has unfinished business in NXT, but she too has kind of felt like she's been treading water for a while now because it's obvious that she will not be winning the NXT Women's Championship. 
The picture is currently clouded by Ember Moon and Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane. Nikki Cross is not getting another shot anytime in the near future. She's had multiple shots now at the NXT Women's Championship and has lost every single one of them, along with the iconic duo who are probably main roster bound as well after WrestleMania. But yeah, with um, with Nikki Cross, I would just call her up with Sanity. I don't see why not. Um, and she could add something to either the SmackDown or Raw's women's division. Preferably SmackDown, just because Raw, I think, is set for right now. They'll probably move Asuka over to SmackDown after Fastlane to have her challenge Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship, as they should. Um, but anyway, because Asuka and Alexa Bliss, as I've said before, is just not a WrestleMania match. And neither is Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax, but I think Asuka deserves a bigger marquee match than her and Alexa Bliss, and I think Charlotte provides that for her. Um, that being said, though, Nikki Cross going over to SmackDown with Sanity going over to SmackDown 2, Sanity versus the Usos, or Sanity versus the New Day or the Bludgeon Brothers could be a lot of fun, so either one would be uh, good possibilities. Going back to the pay-per-view real quick, though, uh, Woke and Matt Hardy beating Bray Wyatt. The crowd was not kind towards this match at all. A wave broke out at one point. We had the uh, the beach balls out in full force on Sunday night during this match. At no other point during the show did we have the beach balls or the wave. Only during this match, which speaks volumes in regards to how people feel about this feud. Bray Wyatt, I so you know, I was, you know, with, with him that ship sailed a while ago. I feel like if they were going to get, they were going to do anything meaningful with Bray Wyatt, if they were going to push him at a meaningful level, they would have done it a long-ass time ago. I know he was WWE champion for a cup of coffee last year, but that was only to get Randy Orton, yes, Randy Orton, who's been here for 16 years, to get him over in the end. That was the only purpose that title reign served. And to give a, to, to give him a little reward for eating so much shit over the last number of five years in, on the main roster in WWE... But after that, he went back to having just forgettable matches, awful feuds, and just talking about a whole lot of nothing during his promos, which has been, you know, the case for a while now. But uh, with Woken Matt, he should have won, but it looks like this feud is not yet over. On the next night's Raw, before Bray Wyatt could squash Heath Slater, and he did, just not in a match, as well as Rhino, he laid down the gauntlet. He threw down the gauntlet for another match with uh, Woken Matt Hardy at WrestleMania. Not at WrestleMania, but at any point in the near future. And I would assume it will take place at WrestleMania. He said, I'm coming for you, Woken Matt. And I mean, wrestlers say that all the time. It's in their lingo. Oh, I'm coming for you, brother. But, um, you know, it could mean that he's going to the Hardy compound. Which, as we talked about last week here on the show with Colin, might be what this feud desperately needs to be salvaged. Is to incorporate other elements of the Woken, broken universe that we saw in Impact. Whether it be Queen Rebecca, you know, Matt's wife, Rebby Sky. Uh, or, or Rebby Hardy, whatever, or King Maxwell, his son, uh, Vanguard One, Senor Benjamin, the dilapidated boat. We need any one of those elements, the broken universe, because really without those elements, I feel like Broken Matt would not have been nearly as over as he was in Impact. It was those things, um, you know, as part of the final deletion segment in Impact and uh, Delete or Decay or the Great War, all that type of stuff was what helped get the broken that character over and everything else associating with that character so we need more of that in wwe enough for these random just singles matches because him and bray one-on-one as a regular match have no chemistry at all as a match nobody cares but if you go outside the box you have them brawl on the hardy compound 
I think that's what really, honestly, people want to see. And we might be getting another step closer to that based off what Bray said on Monday's Raw. Now, I don't know if they're going to drag this out until WrestleMania. To be quite honest with you, I mean, I hope they do because it'd be a nice little prominent match for both guys on the show. Um, But it shouldn't take place in the arena. I don't know if they would have 80,000 people sitting in seats watching on the big screen as Bray and Matt brawl on the Hardy compound. They might just do it on Raw. Um, But then again, they did it with Goldust and Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 12. It was a different time back then, but they could do it if they wanted to. And I think it'd be something different. It gets both guys on the on the card in a meaningful match. And they've dragged the feud out this long, so you might as well wait until WrestleMania to blow it off at this point. I would still have Woken Matt win. I think he has a much bigger upside at this point than Bray Wyatt does. But I don't really think it's a case of Woken Matt not getting over. And I'll tell you a quick story, too, before I get back to that point, where I was watching the show on Monday with Jason and two of his friends or not wrestling fans. I mean, maybe casual fans at best. But they watched the show with us. And they loved the Woken Match shit. They thought it was like the, one of the craziest, like, dumbest things, but like, in a good way. Like, holy shit, this is hilarious. But that's what Broken Matt was in Impact. It was so stupid that it got over. Like, good stupid. Like, ridiculously dumb as an AKA entertaining gimmick. And um, that's what they, they kind of did that with the match with Bray before it became an actual match. On Sunday with the, you know, I'll I'll fade away and classify yourself as obsolete, blah, blah, blah. All that other stuff. And then, you know, when he was doing the wonderful and doing the clapping when Bray Wyatt did his, you know, little bridge thing that for some superstars is still scary. I thought that was great. We need more of that with Broken Matt or Woken Matt, rather, in WWE. And the people that we were watching with, the point I'm trying to make here, the non-wrestling fans that we were watching with fucking loved it. That's the shit they want to see. So I don't think Woken Matt is a bust just yet. It's just that this feud is not doing either guy any favors. It's been a whole lot of nothing. The laughing, the promos that really don't mean anything. With with, with Woken Matt, that's kind of what he is. That's his whole shtick. With Bray Wyatt, it's just we've been seeing the same thing for five years now, so people are just sick of it. I think putting Woken Matt in any other feud with anyone else in the roster would help get him over. But because Bray Wyatt has been just a dead character for so long now, it's hard to care about anything he's involved in. That being said, though, like I said, the final deletion, Great War, whatever you want to call it, seems to be coming, hopefully at the Hardy Compound. I don't want to see a fucking no disqualification match on Raw. Who cares? They need to go outside the box with this feud by having Woken Matt and Bray go to the Hardy Compound, brawl over there, Maybe push Bray. How amazing would it be if Woken Matt pushed Bray Wyatt into the Lake of Reincarnation? And if only for 10 seconds, we got Husky Harris back. Would that not be great? Would that not be glorious? The company would never, you know, acknowledge the Bray Wyatt past of, um, of him as Husky Harris. <clears throat> but for those of us that are, you know, aware of his past, what he was before, as, before he became Bray Wyatt, it'd be a little nice, it'd be a nice nod. So I would love to see it, but I'm not expecting it. But anyway, just a brawl on the Hardy compound with final deletion, something along those lines, would be very entertaining to watch. And I should, I guess, note this here, but it was noted on the Wrestling Observer radio show with uh, Dave Meltzer the other day that Jeff Hardy's in-ring return might be imminent, and they're hoping for a WrestleMania return for him, either at WrestleMania or right before WrestleMania. And the reason I mention that is because it's going to be interesting. Will we see Jeff Hardy join the Woken Universe, will he, you know, revert back to Brother Nero, 
Or will they break him off from Woken Matt and make him a single star again? I could very well see it going either way. They want this Woken Matt stuff to work, seemingly. Or it's just Vince wanted to sabotage the gimmick and ruin any appeal it had in Impact or, you know, outside of WWE. Either way, though, I think adding Jeff Hardy to that Woken universe would be great. Um, him and Matt rejoining the Raw Tag Team Division. God knows the Raw Tag Team Division needs them right now. So the Hardys versus Bray and a partner. Uh, or just putting them all together as a unit. The Broken Brothers, the Woken Brothers, the Woken Hardys, and Bray Wyatt, the Woken Hardys, and, and Wyatt and the Woken Hardys, I feel like, would be a great trio. It gives Wyatt something to do. It was cool when they worked together in that Royal Rumble match. Albeit briefly, but it lasted for a few seconds. Um, but it was still really cool nonetheless. I would love to see some sort of alliance with Woken Matt and Bray, as well as Jeff Hardy. And they could put Jeff Hardy on SmackDown and, you know, push him as a top-tier talent, as a, you know, uh, WWE Championship contender, which they should do eventually. There's a lot left in Jeff Hardy as a single star doing his own thing because he's still uber popular. But I think for right now, bringing him back as a member of the Woken Universe would be the best thing for all parties involved. It gives Jeff Hardy something to do. And with Woken Matt, it gives him someone to work off of. And their little tag team and impact as the Broken Brothers, the Broken Hardys, was fucking amazing. And they could have great matches with the Usos if they go over to Raw with uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. They can rekindle that rivalry if they wanted to. Or even the Revival, which you never really got to see before Jeff got hurt. Um, that feud was scrapped a little while ago. Or I think the Revival got hurt first, and then Jeff Hardy. But nonetheless, I would hope that Jeff Hardy... You know, it would be cool to see him come back at WrestleMania... I could see Matt and Bray having a match on the Hardy compound. And then out of nowhere comes Brother Nero to attack Bray and help Matt win the match. Uh, I think that'd be pretty cool. Or they could just wait until the Raw or SmackDown after WrestleMania and, you know, send them to SmackDown if they wanted to in the Superstar Shakeup. But I would prefer the former. Also from Elimination Chamber, real quick, Ronda Rousey signing her WWE contract officially in storyline. A contract signing that went south and turned into a Pure Six brawl between her and Triple H, uh, putting him through a table after Kurt Angle, who was monitoring the whole thing, had admitted to hearing the authorities say backstage, uh, didn't you want to sign this bitch three years? Before he could say bitch, like he was going in that direction before Triple H cut him off. But he was saying, oh, you, we've wanted to get this done for three years now to avenge our beatdown at WrestleMania 31, bringing up their past history, which I thought was cool. Um, the early beginnings of this was not good at all. Uh, Ronda, I mean, she came across as genuine, as like a real person, and I appreciate that, kind of showed off her soft side, but that's not what Las Vegas wanted to say, Las Vegas was very torn towards her in the first place, half the crowd loved her, half the crowd hated her, um, I feel like she will be a very polarizing figure in WWE, just in general moving forward, whether she's a face or a heel, uh, people have mixed emotions in regards to Ronda Rousey, but having her cut the promo that she did to start off the segment, with her saying that she was happy to be there, probably not what was best for this segment. I know I, I appreciate that, and it's obvious that she's passionate about the WWE, about pro wrestling, and all this other stuff, um, but people want to see bloodthirsty Ronda Rousey, not fucking sweetheart Ronda Rousey, because they want to see her start kicking ass. That's what Ronda Rousey, that's what got Ronda Rousey over in the UFC. I mean, obviously UFC is legit, WWE is not, terms of the outcomes, but what made her into a, a top-tier talent in the UFC were her fights, were the fact were was the fact that she was killing everybody left and right for years on end, embarking on an awesome undefeated streak 
before she inevitably lost, but that notwithstanding, that's what got her over in the UFC was her just beating people up left and right. That's what we need to see in WWE. I would not have her run through the Raw women's division from the get-go, obviously. Um, I think incorporating her in this authority angle with Kurt Angle, I think might be the best thing for her off, you know, from the start. If only because she can rely on Kurt. If her in-ring ability is not up to par at WrestleMania, I guess we'll soon find out. I'm not sure how much she's been training. I mean, I know Triple H has been very complimentary of her in her training and that she stays late and that she wants she wants to learn more and all this other stuff. So I guess we'll soon see how she fares in the ring with uh, Triple H and Stephanie and Kurt Angle. Um, but I think the fact of the matter is, is that at some point she will need a mouthpiece. Because her promo on Raw was a little bit better, but not by much. And obviously there's always been talk of putting her with Paul Heyman, uh, which I think would be a great idea. And the time it could not work out any better, because if Brock is indeed leaving the WWE after WrestleMania, we could see Paul Heyman swoop right into that spot and become the, the spokesperson for Ronda Rousey. Um, she could become the very first Paul Heyman girl in the process. So I would love to see it. Uh, for right now, she's going she's gonna to have to solely rely on Kurt Angle and improve her mic ability, her promo ability in the meantime, because she's either going to sink or swim in this feud with the authority in terms of her promo ability. But keeping her promos moving forward, a lot like what we saw on Raw, short, sweet, and to the point, is got to be her goal in this whole thing. If they put her out there to talk for 10, 20 minutes at a time, a la Brock Lesnar when he first came back in 2012, it's going to be a fucking train wreck, which is why they soon reunited um, Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar soon after Brock came back as they realized this guy cannot talk on his own. We need Paul E back. So Paul E joining uh, Ronda Rousey by her side would be great at some point. It won't be anytime soon. Uh, but for right now, I think she could do well by herself or with Angle by keeping her promos as concise as possible. And she'll really get over in the end with, I mean, like I said, killing people, specifically the authority for right now. And also through her facial expressions, which have become a bit comical and became a meme online over the last couple of days. But her, her you, know, you know, people saying that she emulated uh, Ms. Girl, Angry Ms. Girl from back in 2010. And she actually looks a lot like her, which is pretty funny. But her facial expressions tell the whole story, not her promos. So I hope she'll rely on that more moving forward. Uh, one last note on the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. The main event I thought was really, really good. Roman Reigns. In, pre- in predictable fashion, outlasting Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, John Cena, Elias, and The Miz in a Universal Championship number one contenders match, uh, Elimination Chamber match, to punch his ticket to the main event of WrestleMania. So I don't know if it will be the main event of WrestleMania. It very likely will be. I would hope it's not. I think AJ Nakamura deserve that spot more and will be a better match, but nonetheless... Um, I thought as a match, this was really good. Braun eliminated everybody except for Rowan. So Braun came out of this looking super, super, super strong uh, by taking out Rollins, Balor, Cena, Elias, and The Miz. I mean, you kind of figured where this was going. After Braun took out both The Miz and Elias and then Cena, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to get rid of Balor. He's going to get rid of Rollins. They're going to protect him like fucking crazy and then have Roman win. And that's fine. Because, uh, I mean, like I've said before, I'm not mad about Roman and Brock happening at WrestleMania, if only because I was mad about that a year ago when it was rumored by Dave Meltzer 
and it was pretty much set in stone at that point that we were getting Roman and Brock at WrestleMania 34. I was mad at that point that we were getting that WrestleMania main event again. A year later, I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen. So why bother be mad about it? They're not going to change the match. They won't. They've gone this far in keeping the belt on Brock Lesnar, proving to me and to everyone else that they are not going to deviate away from those plans. So if you thought Braun might win or Rollins might win, I thought there might be a slight chance. But when they didn't win, I wasn't shocked. Nor was I disappointed. I think any one of those guys, specifically Braun or Rollins or even Balor, would be better off in that spot in the match with Brock at WrestleMania. If only because, I mean, Braun we've seen before with Brock multiple times now. Uh, Rollins we've seen before, but not really. They have unfinished business. Balor never with Brock Lesnar. They have no history at all. But I think any one of those guys, considering how organically over they are, would have been great fits. But they don't really go off of how over someone is. They go over what's best for business, in their mind. And what's best for business in their head right now is Roman Reigns beating Brock for the belt at WrestleMania. Now, they could have him drop the belt the very next night on Raw. They won't. I guess they could. But we just got to recognize the fact they're going to have Roman win. So why bother complaining about it? And it could be a way better match than what we saw at WrestleMania 32, which was also very predictable when he beat Triple H for the WWE Championship. That feud really was not all that good at all. A lot like with him and Brock, with Roman and Brock, they stretched that feud out for months. It was very, very obvious, dating back to fucking Survivor Series of 2015, that they were headed towards Roman and Triple H at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. So the fact that, you know... First of all, Brock and Brock and Roman so far has been a much better feud in one week than we ever saw from Triple H and Roman Reigns. And I'm sure the match is going to be better too. Just because Roman and H, for whatever reason, did not have chemistry. And I say for whatever reason because it looked like they worked well together in Evolution and the Shield matches years ago. One-on-one, they have no chemistry at all. And that match was just not all that good. Roman and Brock, we know, have history. And we know they have chemistry. They had a great match at WrestleMania 31 that was laid out perfectly. And they've also clashed in the four-way at SummerSlam last year, in the Fastlane main event back in 2016. They've had a number of matches over the years, whether it be one-on-one, three-ways, four-ways, or what have you. So we know they can work well together. So I'm sure the match will deliver. But it's all up in the air after WrestleMania. There's no, you know, as of right now, like at this time last year, we knew that Roman was going to win the championship at WrestleMania. But we have no idea what's going to happen afterward. Like, going forward, we all know that Roman's going to win. But they could bring back Bobby Lashley to beat Roman for the belt at the next pay-per-view. Again, I'm not expecting it. But I'm just saying that we know what's going to happen first. But we don't know what's going to happen after that. So I'm really more so excited for what happens after WrestleMania than really what's going to happen at WrestleMania itself in regards to the Universal the uh, universal Championship picture. They could put Rollins in that number one contender spot coming out of the show. They could put Balor in that spot, or Braun, or really anyone, assuming they don't move to SmackDown. I think Rollins and Balor would benefit from a move to the blue brand. Um, but nonetheless, it's going to be a lot better than having Brock win the belt and then disappear for like three months. So at least we know one of those guys will very likely get a shot at the belt off, you know, right off the bat coming out of WrestleMania. But getting back to what I was saying before with Roman and with Brock Lesnar and the build of their match at WrestleMania, uh, they had Roman come out on Raw the next night after advertising a face-to-face conver- uh, conversation. And that, that would have been fun. I mean, I guess it really is a conversation. But I'm thinking, like, when I when I hear a conversation, I think, like, over coffee at, like, a dinner table or something. That's not what Roman and Brock 
would be doing. It's not like table for three or anything with him, with Roman, Brock, and Paul Heyman. But nonetheless, getting back to my original point, uh, they had Roman come out the next night after previously advertising a face-to-face confrontation between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Roman cut a worked shoot-style promo and saying that Brock no-showed the show. He was too busy taking pictures with Dana White in Vegas last night despite being in the area for the pay-per-view, opting not to show up. He's a lazy-ass part-timer. I want that belt back. I'm working for everyone in the back right now. Not only for myself, I'm doing this for the boys. And to prove to you that, you know, I'm on the road every single day of the year busting my ass so you can be a part-timer or whatever. And I thought it was a really, really good promo. If only because the delivery was great. And I'm shocked they haven't had Roman do this before and cut a promo like this. Now, he can't do it every single week. But more realism, the better with Roman Reigns. Because his character comes off as so corny, so phony, so scripted, nine times out of ten. Where with this, I was watching with my brother, who hasn't been a wrestling fan in years. Um, but I was watching with him on Monday night, and he turned to me, and he was kind of like half watching. He watched parts of the show. He watched this part, and he turned to me, and he's like, was that scripted? Was that real, or was that part of the show? And I said, yeah, it was scripted. Obviously, they're not going to let Roman go out there and speak his mind about fucking Brock Lesnar, their top guy, and talk shit about him for no reason. Um, I mean, obviously, there'd be a reason, but they're not going to just have him run his mouth on Brock Lesnar uh, with a live mic in his hand and call him a little bitch and all this other shit without having a plan in place. That was all done by design to get people to cheer Roman Reigns. Has that not been the endgame the entire time? I mean, you go back to the Shield thing. The Shield, we all wanted it back, but it was very evident that the only reason they put the Shield back together at that point in time late last year was to get people to cheer Roman Reigns. The only reason they put the belt on Roman Reigns, the Intercontinental Championship on Roman Reigns late last year, was to get people to cheer Roman Reigns, which is why they put him in the ring with The Miz, with Elias, with people that the fans generally do not like, um, in order to get people to cheer Roman Reigns. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the promo itself, like I said, was really, really good. And if it's successful in their end game of getting people to cheer Roman Reigns, then good on them. They finally figured out a way to endear him to the audience. Again, he can't do this every single week, but I thought it was a really good promo. He handled it well. And they have to incorporate elements of real life in this feud. Because otherwise, no one's going to care. Because as a match, again, it could be really, really good. But the outcome itself has never been, and won't be, in doubt. No one thinks Brock Lesnar is going to win, but if they can make this must-see TV on the road to WrestleMania, then they've hit a gold mine. So here's hoping they can continue along with the strong build for this match at WrestleMania. I do want to talk about Braun Strowman real quick before we move on from Elimination Chamber. As I had noted, he had a great showing in this match, eliminating everyone except for Roman Reigns, the ultimate winner. And you would think, oh, and not only that, not only that, but he attacked Roman Reigns afterward. I missed that part. We had to stop the show. We were... Uh, running short on time, Jason and I, so we stopped the show right after Roman had won, missing the fact, and I didn't find this out until later on in the day, uh, when I read someone's review of the show, that Braun Strowman laid out Roman Reigns after the match. So you would think, okay, maybe he's going to be incorporated into the triple threat match, he'll be worked into the match somehow for the Universal Championship. Obviously, that won't be the case. I doubt they would do that. And it was all about the aftermath on Raw. Like, okay, will Braun go on a fucking rampage and wreck everyone on the Raw roster because he's so mad about losing yet again? No. He had a match with Elias on Raw, who I love. Elias has become a guilty pleasure of mine over the last year on Monday Night Raw. 
but he's not Braun Strowman. He's not on Strowman's level. It was a forgettable four-minute match that ended in a disqualification that Strowman won, and then he chased him out of the arena, and that was it. It looked like they were setting up something between Strowman and Elias. I mean, I would I was gonna say for WrestleMania. I mean, WrestleMania is six weeks away. I'd be shocked if that was the direction they were going in. Whether it's this or even the rumored Fatal Five Way for the Intercontinental Championship, which I love the idea of a Miz Rollins Balor match for the belt at WrestleMania. It doesn't need to be a ladder match. That'd be pretty cool. But the now the notion that we need to get a ladder match in every single WrestleMania these years nowadays is ridiculous because we don't um and it, it really should only be brought in when it means something and when it's necessary not just because that oh, was a wrestlemania time to get the ladder match back on the card no um i like the three-way pushing braun in that match to me feels like overkill elias as well it's like the elimination chamber without john cena or roman reigns it screams laziness that's bad booking right there and seemingly, the previously, you know, uh, scheduled, rumored matchup between Strowman and Miz has been next to do Miz, Rollins, and Balor. And I'm all for that. But you gotta have a proper backup plan for Braun Strowman. Your most over guy in the Raw roster, if not the entire company right now. I mean, I've been reading the reports from Dave Meltzer that they're keeping him on standby in case the Roman-Brock match doesn't go on as planned. For what reason? He already won the Elimination Chamber. I know there's now rumors of Roman Reigns, oh, could he be suspended due to the whole uh, drug ring thing, the uh, drug trafficking, whatever it was, that Roman was accused of like a month ago. If the guy had any evidence of Roman Reigns being involved in that, something would have happened already. It's been over a month since that guy accused Roman Reigns. Why people are still talking about this is beyond me. I know the guy still keeps on talking about, oh, I have evidence, I have evidence, but we have yet to see any real evidence at all that there is any connection between Roman Reigns and this guy that's now in jail. Why he would even bring up Roman Reigns' name, I have no idea. Maybe because he knew that Roman had a suspension on his record for something involving drugs or pharmaceuticals, whatever it might be, from 2016. I'm not sure what the connection there would be and why he accused Roman Reigns of all people, but the bottom line is that as of right now, there's no reason to point any fingers at Roman Reigns. Therefore, there's no reason to believe that he will be taken out of that WrestleMania match. If WWE had any idea, if there was any inkling of a thought that Roman Reigns could be guilty, they would not have had him in the Elimination Chamber match on Sunday. They're not going to put him in a spot to be headlined and featured prominently at WrestleMania if they thought there was a chance he could be suspended or that he could be found guilty. And even then, I mean, this is quite worse, but remember the Jack Swagger situation from almost exactly five years ago, he won the Elimination Chamber match. He got like a Dewey, got a DUI like two or three days later. They did nothing about it though, and then, I don't know if he had jail time. I don't think so. I think he got out on a on a bond or a bail or whatever it was. But WWE did nothing about that at all. I think they might have acknowledged it, but it was double standards because they already set in stone their WrestleMania match between Swagger and Del Rio. They didn't want to deviate from those plans, so they stayed the course. And they did nothing about it. They might have suspended Swagger a few months after that. Because I know he took some time off that year. But it might have been... I think it was merely because he got hurt. I think he had like an arm injury or a wrist injury or something. I don't think they ever once suspended him. Oh, his his fucking uh, punishment was not getting an entrance at WrestleMania. Who the hell cares? He still went for the world title at the show. 
I'm not saying that's going to happen with Roman Reigns because I don't think Roman Reigns is guilty. Uh, that was very clear and cut that Swagger should have been suspended or had his match taken away. They didn't want to change those plans, and they should have because that feud sucked and the match was completely forgettable. That whole WrestleMania sucked. That's a whole other story for another day, but Colin and I did discuss that last week here on the show, but that's neither here nor there at the moment. Uh, when it comes to Roman Reigns, the guy is going for the belt of WrestleMania. No matter whether you like him or not, he's going for the championship of WrestleMania. So with Braun Strowman, why waste him? And a fatal five-way for the IC title. Between guys that we've already seen work together in the last number of months. The three-way is fine. I'm not for the multi-man matches, but a triple threat is okay. Because it makes sense, Miz and Balor, or, uh, yeah, Miz and Balor, Miz and Rollins, Balor and Rollins. They've all had this history. They all kicked off the chamber match on Sunday. So they have that built in there. They had a great three-way on Raw about a year ago. Um, I think it was a number one contenders match for that very championship for that Intercontinental title. So they have history. We know they can work well together. I'm not saying it would be a bad match if Braun was involved, but it, it, it's pure randomness just because they have no other scheduled match for the guy. Now that raises the question, what do you do with Braun Strowman? Do you put him in a match with John Cena, which I've seen some people bring up? Do you put him in a match with Samoa Joe? If Joe's clear to compete, which I don't think he will, which would be awful. The guy was left off WrestleMania last year for no reason, really. He had no match in the card. And he wasn't even involved in the Honor of the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. He didn't interfere in the Triple H-Seth Rollins match. The guy was completely persona non grata on WrestleMania 33. Despite being completely healthy this year, after having an awesome 2017, could not may not be a part of WrestleMania due to injury. And that really, really sucks. So with Braun Strowman, if Joe's a no-go, Cena is already scheduled for, for, for probably two or three other matches that don't involve Braun Strowman. He might be their last resort. There were also talks of putting Braun in the match with Miz. Um, if it's a five-way, no thanks. One-on-one, -on -one maybe. But even then, to me, that's not WrestleMania-worthy. Um, and then there's also been the reports about him being involved in the Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania. It seems to me that spot will now be occupied by Kurt Angle, which was also a rumor, too. I think the, um, the preference list for partners for Ronda Rousey included The Rock at number one, who they probably weren't able to get, which they still could. There's a month until WrestleMania, about... Five weeks, but I doubt it's going to happen. The Rock, then Kurt Angle, and then Braun Strowman. Because Strowman still does have that, you know, history with um, Triple H from Survivor Series, that uh, that tension that was never really followed up on. He attacked Triple H after that Survivor Series main event match. Remember that? He confronted him on the next night's Raw, and then we saw nothing about it after that. That was it uh, for Braun Strowman and Triple H. So I would hope they find some sort of meaningful spot for him on the card. He is way more over now than he was a year ago, but he was also on fire around this time a year ago in that great feud with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns went on to win the main event of WrestleMania while Strowman was involved on the fucking kickoff show Battle Royal that he got eliminated from halfway through. So I would I would not put it past them to do nothing with Strowman or did not do anything you know high profile with him at WrestleMania, but I'm not sure what else they would do. If he's not involved in that fatal five-way for the IC belt or facing um, Elias at WrestleMania, which would be a complete waste of Braun Strowman, but I don't know what else you would do with the guy because everyone else seems to be locked and set in stone for other matches on the card. So that was Elimination Chamber, a bit of a lengthy review, but I did want to incorporate elements from my Raw review in there as well. Uh, let's see how much time we got left. we got about 15, 16 minutes until we wrap up here. I do want to mention this real quick, uh, a bit of a breaking news item. 
that came in from uh, my email as I was recording. Uh, two things, actually. One, the Impact Wrestling over WrestleCon weekend. It's been pretty well known now. They will be airing on Twitch over Mania weekend in New Orleans, which is great, at the WrestleCon event, which is like the premier indie organization over WrestleMania weekend. They will be having an Impact Wrestling versus Lucha Underground event on Friday, April 6th at 9 p.m. Um, so I believe that's the same night as the Hall of Fame going on as at the same time as the Hall of Fame. Hell, I like the Hall of Fame, but I would much rather prefer to go to that event. That sounds great. And say what you will about Impact, and they already have a lot of Lucha guys on their roster anyway. From the, I know they had, um, what's that guy's name? Tejano a couple months ago. I'm not sure if he's still there anymore, but he was there. They have Cage now, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, whatever, Alberto El Patron. There's already a lot of Lucha guys on the Impact roster anyway, but they said they'd be competing in dream matches. And I think tickets are already available on WrestleCon.com, so if that's something that interests you and you're going to WrestleMania weekend this year, definitely look into that. If I had to choose between Hall of Fame or that, I would go to that, um, if only because it seems like it'd be a great show. I would love to see Johnny Impact versus Johnny Mundo, by the way. That seems like it'd be a hell of a dream match, but in all seriousness, that sounds like a great event. And also, too, I do want to mention this. Uh, this came into my email a couple weeks ago. I completely forgot about it, but I do want to mention it here now that um, the Syracuse Crunch are having an event on Friday, March 9th. They're taking on the Hershey Bears at 7 p.m. at the War Memorial Arena. So why would I mention that? Well, Bret Hart's going to be there. WWE Hall of Famer Bret the Hitman Hart. I met him before. He's a great guy. They're having a VIP meet and greet from 6 p.m., 6.15 roughly to 6.50. You can buy four tickets for $1.50. Or you can buy eight tickets for two fifty. Uh, the pre-order with the the pre-order for the uh, meet and greet with Bret Hart. There's a limited quantity, so if you want to go, you got to act now. Um, you can buy single tickets that are non-VMP for only seventeen dollars. And Bret Hart will only be having the signing during the first intermission and the Memorial Hall. So once again, you can check it out Friday, March 9th at the Syracuse Crunch game against the Hershey Bears um, at 7 p.m. War Memorial Arena right before the game. Check it out. Bret Hart, like I said, a fucking icon. So if you're in the area, definitely check it out on Friday, March 9th. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. So to wrap it up here, some quick thoughts from SmackDown, all the other shows from the past week. Um, here in WWE. I pretty much ran through everything important on Raw for the most part. I will talk about the John Cena news momentarily when we get to SmackDown. But with Raw, I already talked about really all the large highlights coming out of that show. Oscar uh, did not announce which title she was going for, as had been teased on this show. I assume they're waiting until after Fastlane for Charlotte to beat Ruby Riot. And then Oscar may come out on that show or on Raw the next night saying that she's jumping to SmackDown to face Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So that might be why they didn't do anything here about that. But on this show also, um, we had the authority apologizing to Ronda Rousey in the main event. Uh, Ronda Rousey nearly taking off the arm of Stephanie McMahon before they left, but uh, Triple H just couldn't help himself. He uh, punched Kurt Angle right in the face on their way out, so therefore setting up that match for WrestleMania. Already talked about Rollins and Miz and Balor and Miz and that whole rumored three-way for Mania, which sounds like it's going to be great on paper. And then finally, uh, this might as well bleed right into my SmackDown review here, my thoughts on SmackDown, which aren't a lot, but this really was the story of the night on Tuesday night. So John Cena came out on Monday's Raw after losing the Elimination Chamber main event the night before, saying, I don't have a road to WrestleMania. I've been here for 17 years, and I have no you know, road to WrestleMania, blah, 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 blah. 
complaining and complaining. So he says, the one match that I do want is impossible, and that's with The Undertaker. And the crowd went nuts. They're doing the yes chant. Hey, you know what? A lot of people want to see the match. I cannot say the same. I did want to see the match. That ship sailed to me a few years ago. But at this point, in 2018, after the farewell that Taker had at WrestleMania 33, I don't want to see it, but it's been rumored for a long time now. So, I mean, I don't think they would have Cena go this far, so far as to drop Taker's name, if they weren't going to do that match. So Cena said, okay, that match won't happen. I got to find another road to WrestleMania, and it's going to start on SmackDown. As a free agent, I can go from show to show. I'll be on SmackDown this week, and I'm going to throw down the gauntlet for, you know, I'm going to find a way to get to WrestleMania. So he shows up on SmackDown. He says that he wants part in the WrestleMania, um, their road to WrestleMania, with Shinsuke Nakamura being the only man that currently has a set in stone, a guaranteed road to WrestleMania after winning the Royal Rumble match, and that the WWE Championship match, the main event of Fastlane in a few weeks, if John Cena could beat uh, AJ Styles, the current WWE Champion on this show, he would be added to that main event. So he went on to beat AJ Styles. Great match. I hate the idea of AJ losing non-title matches. I thought it was a complete waste. And the fact they advertised the match literally an hour in advance. And that's it. For a match that was such... To me, that's a money match. AJ Styles and John Cena is like the new John Cena and CM Punk. You don't just throw that out on TV uh, with like an hour build. You advertise that at least a week in advance. Not just uh, a few hours in advance just to have as your main event so Cena can win and go on to Fastlane. I really wish there was another way they could have accomplished that without making AJ look weak. Now, I know he took four attitude adjustments, but I thought there would have been a better route to take than Cena being added in to the Fastlane main event, which is now a six-pack challenge, which is fucking ridiculous. That sounds like a clusterfuck on paper. So it is now AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and John Cena. That sounds like someone took WWE 2K18 and pressed the simulate button, or the random button, to get anyone from the roster in the game into one match for a championship in the main event of a pay-per-view. That's what that sounds like to me, because it sounds completely random. We all know that AJ's going to win, as he should. Unlike with the Roman situation, people obviously are pulling for AJ to win in that scenario. But it's essentially a repeat of what we just saw fucking Elimination Chamber. A six-way match, or I mean, I guess that was a seven-man match, but this might as well be put in an Elimination Chamber as well with six men in it. It's complete waste. Lazy booking continuing on SmackDown. So the reason I bring this up, um, in addition to being what happened on SmackDown, is because then rumors surfaced on Wednesday that a new WrestleMania opponent might be in line for John Cena. Per Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated, it might be Rey Mysterio. Now, I talked about this at length on Hashtag Ask Jason on Wednesday, but to repeat my thoughts real quick, I love the idea of the match. To be quite honest, I would take Rey Mysterio versus John Cena over Cena and Undertaker any day of the week. And for those saying, oh, it doesn't make sense, this would be so random, isn't Cena and Taker pretty random too? I know it's the match that never really happened, but honestly, so is Rey Mysterio and John Cena. They've only had maybe one or two singles matches in WWE. I know they had that great WWE Championship match back on Raw in 2011, which Cena won. Uh, they had another match, I think, on SmackDown maybe in 2003. Beyond that, though, they've never really crossed paths one-on-one in a singles matchup. And I think it'd be a great fresh match to do. If we if that 2011 matchup was any indication, they have great chemistry together. 
So I honestly don't see why not. It would bring Rey Mysterio back into the fold as a top-tier talent, which we all know that he is, but um, if you put him on 205 Live from the get-go, it might not really establish him as a notable name in coming back to the company. If you put him in a main event match, not the main event, obviously, but in a high-profile match of Mania with John Cena, that's going to mean a lot, even if he loses, which I don't think he should, but he probably would. Um, it really just, uh, it brings him back into the fold. It's like, holy shit, Rey Mysterio is facing John Cena at WrestleMania. That means he must be a big deal. For the people that may not know him or haven't been familiar with him in a few years, it brings him back into the fold in a top-level position. And like I said, the match itself would be great. And they have enough time to set it up. Um, Fastlane is not for another week and a half. It is next Sunday. So coming out of that show, we will, we should get a better idea of what John Cena's WrestleMania match will be. Now, that was purely rumor. Brad Shepard, I forgot with what, what website he's with, but he's also a pretty credible source. He had came out on Twitter. He had come out on Twitter over the week saying that was not true. It's purely a rumor. Rey Mysterio has been in talks with WWE since the Rumble, since right before the Rumble, but that doesn't mean he's come back for a match with John Cena WrestleMania. That might have been like something that was, you know, speculated or even maybe like considered, but it's by no means set in stone. I don't even expect that to happen. Like I said, I think they would not go so so far as to have John Cena mention Undertaker's name and then to not do the match. Like, maybe in passing, like what he has done before. I know about a year ago on SmackDown, John Cena had said to The Miz in a promo, oh, why am I facing you when I could be facing The Undertaker? And it was like a throwaway comment. It wasn't as overt as we saw on Monday night. So we'll see what they do with it. Um, but I think it's more of a case of that they are going with Cena and Taker, and maybe they're trying to feel if there's any interest from fans for a Cena-Rey Mysterio match. For me, there is. I think the match would be great. And with Cena and Taker, I feel like it's a lose-lose. Ray-Ray can eat a loss. So can Cena at WrestleMania. He's due a loss at WrestleMania. With The Undertaker, the guy's already lost twice. Why have him lose a third time? And with John Cena losing, he's already lost the Rumble. He lost the Chamber. And having him lose to a 50-year-old man who looked to be in terrible shape at WrestleMania 33 does not make John Cena look all that good, despite being a part-timer himself now. It doesn't really put John Cena in the best light or give him much credibility. Even though he's John fucking Cena, he could lose to Kurt Hawkins and he'd still be okay. But you know what I mean. I feel like it's a lose-lose. And it's not really worth it, especially if the match will not be all that good. Um, so I feel like they missed their chance to do that match a year ago. They didn't do it. Time to move on. Cena and Ray Ray could be that match. I had also read that report, <clears throat> I think it was from Justin Barrasso as well, that Cena versus Ray was being speculated because Cena had two options. He wanted uh, two requests for a WrestleMania match. That being either him and Ray Ray. If Taker was a no-go, then him and Ray Ray, or him and Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe, like you mentioned earlier, might not be clear to compete before Mania, which sucks. But um, that being said, J uh, John Cena versus Ray Mysterio, I'm all in on that. If it does come to fruition, I don't expect it to. Uh, we should get a better idea, though, coming out of the Fastlane pay-per-view next Sunday. Other news and notes from SmackDown, there really wasn't any at all. Uh, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, Ruby Riot beating Naomi, Shinsuke Nakamura beating Aiden English. Pretty pedestrian stuff. Uh, pretty a ho-hum show. But I did really enjoy the Usos New Day promo. Both tag teams brought their A-game on the, on the stick, specifically Jimmy Uso and Big E. They went back and forth, and the Usos were talking about how we've never been at WrestleMania, we were on the kickoff show, we were sidelined for all these years. I don't think they would have them say that if there wasn't a plan in place for them to defend the titles on the main card of WrestleMania this year, and God knows they deserve it. So I would hope that's the case, whether it's against 
The New Day or the Bludgeon Brothers or even Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn or maybe all three tag teams. Who knows? But still, though, um, I would hope they do end up on the main event or the... Well, that'd be cool if they were in the main event. They won't be. I would hope they do end up on the main card for WrestleMania because they have long deserved it and it does make sense considering they are the current SmackDown Tag Team Champions and I would not take those belts off of them at this point on the road to WrestleMania despite their upcoming title defense against New Day at the pay-per-view. Now, I know the Bludgeon Brothers came out. Maybe they make it a three-way um, between you know the Usos, Bludgeon Brothers, and New Day at the pay-per-view. I guess they could. Uh, Usos, New Day, one-on-one or two-on-two. That's fine, too. We've seen it before. I think it's too soon to revisit that rivalry, in my opinion. But adding in the Bludgeon Brothers adds in you know a, a bunch of fresh faces. And we get a new match that we haven't seen before yet. So I'd be all for that as well. And that was pretty much it from SmackDown. Um, other news and notes, real quick, Kane is advertised for live events this month in March, um, starting with Brock Lesnar, I think this Saturday in Chicago. I'm pretty sure he's facing Brock Lesnar at a Chicago house show in two days uh, per PW Insider. So I don't know what that means for Kane's road to WrestleMania. I don't think he's going to be involved in a prominent match, nor should he be. But if they put him in the Battle Royal again, I'm all for that. He wasn't part of WrestleMania last year. He took time off after December of 2016 to work on his... Um, this, the, the mayor stuff, the campaign, and just a uh, heel nagging injury. So he was not at WrestleMania last year. I think he was part of the Andre the John Memorial Battle Royal in 2016, 2015, and maybe WrestleMania 30. I don't remember. No, he wasn't. At WrestleMania 30, he faced uh, the Shield. But I would put him back in that Battle Royal this year, though. I was hearing rumors it might be next. I don't buy that for a second when you consider that we're having that Andre the Giant documentary coming out on HBO literally days after WrestleMania, so I'd be shocked if they nixed it. Uh, mixed match challenge real quick. The Miz and Asuka beating Finn Balor and Sasha Banks in a second-round match. Good stuff there. From 205 Live, the WWE Cruiserweight Championship Tournament continued with Cedric Alexander beating TJP in a second-round match. He will go on to face the winner of our next match, Roderick Strong beating Kalisto in the main event, another second-round match. So it will be Cedric versus Roderick Strong, I believe, in two weeks which sounds great on paper. And uh, they had an awesome match and an NXT house show that they went to in late 2016, so I'm looking forward to that rematch now airing on TV. And I would hope they'd be able to go all out, which they have been able to in recent weeks on 205 Live. So if they can hone that and are able to go all out, that could be a hell of a match on 205 Live in a few weeks. The Battle of the Backbreakers. Uh, next week on the show, we are getting Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali, as well as Drew Gulak versus Mark Andrews and our next set of second-round matches. Um, it is also worth noting, too, from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer noted this week, that Neville is apparently back in talks with WWE for a return. Now, this has happened before, where it was reported, I think around Survivor Series time, because he had walked out in September, or maybe early October. It was after that um, title loss to Enzo, and he appeared in maybe an episode of 205 Live and Raw, after that, but after that, that was when he walked out and never came back. He is still under contract, and they won't release him, probably because they know that he would go elsewhere and be a big star in other companies. And that's why they let like Rich Swan out of his contract early, just because there's no point in keeping him under contract if they won't do anything with him, and they understand that he won't be like a, a game changer in Impact or Ring of Honor or where else, or like PWG or whatever, so they just let him go. Neville, they realize, would be a big deal in the indie scene, so they're not going to let him go if they don't have to. And apparently they are back in talks for a return. I do hope it happens. Um, it would be cool to see it after WrestleMania. After the conclusion of this WWE Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. Or, I mean, I would just bring it back to the heavyweight division. 
They could put him back in 205 Live now that it is under new management. Triple H is a Neville guy, so maybe Neville would be willing to come back as part of the Cruiserweight division if Triple H is now in charge, and he knew and he knows that he'll be used correctly and in big matches. But again, if I was WWE, I would bring him back with the heavyweights. I don't see why not. I think he could fit right in in either the Intercontinental or United States Championship picture, if not higher, on either Raw or SmackDown. But that's just me. From NXT on Wednesday, real quick, there was another news item from the Wrestling Observer newsletter this week, uh, per Dave Meltzer, of course, with WWE offering rep- reportedly Keith Lee and Walter deals starting in May, developmental deals. Um, I don't know if that was for a tryout or if they reached out to them regarding a contract. I would assume it was regarding a contract. I think the report I had read was really, really brief. It didn't really specify. It wasn't all that clear. But I do assume I, I do assume they were talking about a full-blown contract with NXT. Uh, Walter, I'm vaguely familiar with. Fairly familiar with from his uh, progress matches. I did see him in person at a progress show that he went to back in August. Keith Lee, I'm very familiar with. And I have been for a few years now. The guy is fucking great. If you've never seen this guy work before in person... You are missing out. Keith Lee is awesome. I got to meet him, uh, I think, about a year ago. Really, really nice guy. And he has been WWE ready for a while now as well. So hopefully, Walter, from what I've seen, is great too. So if he goes to NXT, good on him. He'd be a good signing. Keith Lee is a top-notch signing for NXT. So I really hope that goes through. Also from NXT on Wednesday, real quick before I wrap it up, uh, the Velveteen Dream beating Tyler Bate. Adam Cole beating Cesaro Bononi. Shayna Baszler beating Kyrie Sane. Andrade San Alamos addressing the audience along with Zelena Vega before Aleister Black and Killing Dean brawl to end the show. So not the most newsworthy episode of NXT in recent weeks, but it was enjoyable on the whole. And that's pretty much it, guys, for this week's edition of Wrestle Rant Radio. Thank you for checking on the show as always. As I had mentioned at the start of the show, I will be in Northeast Wrestling tomorrow night, March 2nd in Waterbury, Connecticut. Looks like a stacked show on paper. So I cannot wait to be there for that show. Um, looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you are in the area, check it out. As I had said, the Syracuse Crunch are hosting Bret Hart next Friday. WrestleCon is hosting Impact Wrestling vs. Lucha Underground on April 6th, that Friday. So a lot of cool stuff going on right now. Looking forward to the month of March and beyond as the road to WrestleMania progresses. So that being said, folks, we got Fastlane next Sunday. So we are doing our preview picks and predictions for the pay-per-view right here on WrestleRant next Thursday. Whether I'll have a guest to help me break down the show remains to be seen. I really have no idea. It's all really a matter of how much time I have. Um, Usually I record the show on Wednesdays, but recently I've been a lot busier on Wednesdays, so it's easier to record on Thursdays when the show usually goes up anyway. So time will tell, but if you are interested in coming here on the show, let me know. Tweet me on the Twitter machine, find me on Facebook, send in a contact form form on on nextdaywrestling.net, any one of those avenues, or email me. And we can totally work out something to get you here on Wrestle Rant Radio. So speaking of which, guys, go to the Apple Podcast app. Simply search up Wrestle Rant Radio and subscribe. Rate and review as well, but subscribe first and foremost. You get all the new episodes on Thursdays and every archived episode dating back to October of 13. 2013, that is. So be sure to subscribe. Get all those episodes. Over 220 shows in there. A lot of great guests. A lot of awesome interviews, a lot of fun times. So check out WrestleRant Radio right now on iTunes as well as on NextDayWrestling.net along with, also on the website, Raw Reviews, SmackDown Reviews, Impact Reviews, Ring of Honor Reviews, Lucha Underground when that comes back. Um, I had read they had hosted their latest set of tapings last weekend, which is super exciting. 
I had read a whole bunch of news and notes about it this morning. Don't want to spoil anything, but there's a lot of interesting names that will be a part of the upcoming season of Alucha. So I'm not sure when that's going to drop. Maybe this summer, maybe in May. I'm not exactly sure. But I am looking forward to it nonetheless. So anyway, guys, find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews on YouTube as well at youtube.com backslash c backslash graham.gsm.matthews. And as I mentioned earlier, we will be back right here on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday for picks, previews, and predictions for Fastlane next Sunday. So with all that being said, folks, have an awesome rest of your weekend. I'm Graham Gison Matthews. Enjoy the month of March. I'll catch your ass down the road.